Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 103. It doesn't get much better than this week because I'm previewing my upcoming cruise on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas next week. Let's discuss why I selected this cruise, my plans for onboard and onshore, as well as on what I'm really looking forward to doing on this cruise. Here we go. From the very first podcast I recorded, I wanted to make sure this weekly look at Royal Caribbean was about helping you have a better Royal Caribbean cruise experience. Each week, we share tips, revelations, suggestions, and generally ways to have a better cruise vacation. And this week, I want to preview my upcoming cruise on Freedom of the Seas. Now, the reason why I preview these cruises and subsequently review them afterwards, and, and not just my cruises, my cruises, but also uh, po- other people that listen to this podcast, their cruises as well, is because I think we all cruise a little bit differently. And in our collective experiences, we can all learn something that will help us on all of our future Royal Caribbean cruises. And of course, it's just plain fun to talk about taking Royal Caribbean cruises because we all really, really, really love taking them. So so let's dive right into this and start off with the first question, the question that I ask almost everybody when they're talking about a cruise that they're about to take. Why did I book this cruise? And usually I have a really long, drawn-out answer for this. But this one, it's really simple. A very good friend of mine is getting married, and they invited me to go on this cruise. It's There's family, friends that are going on here. This person happened to pick the cruise on Freedom of the Seas. So go back to about, I think this was about a, maybe a year and a half or two years ago, whatever the case may be. It was a while ago. I think last year, actually. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. They said, hey, we're getting married. It's going to be on Freedom of the Seas. Now, you don't have to convince me to go on a cruise. So I didn't even bother talking to my wife. I said, that's it. Book me. We're going. And I told my wife later, like, hey, we're going on a cruise. We're going to someone's wedding. And it's, it's, it's a win-win for everybody, right? I mean, it just made a lot of sense. And we've been on Freedom of the Seas a couple different times before. Actually, on this particular cruise, it'll be our third time on Freedom of the Seas. So certainly I have been on the ship before, and I'm pretty well aware of how the ship works and, and kind of its in and outs. But we're going to be talking a little bit more a little bit later about some of the changes that I got on the ship. But essentially, why I booked this cruise was somebody picked it for me, and it's a wedding. Why not, right? It's a good way to celebrate. Now, the interesting thing about the wedding, and we should probably talk a little bit about this, is there's actually two weddings I'm going to. One is going to be on Freedom of the Seas, and the other one is going to be on Coco Cay. Actually, two different people are getting married. They're actually related to each other. It's kind of funny. The My friend... She's getting married for – it's her second wedding. Uh, she's She was married before, uh, and she's getting married again, which is awesome. And her son, who is in his early 20s, is also getting married. I think it was kind of a, one of the situations where one of them got engaged, and the other one either got engaged right after that or right around that time. And they both said, let's combine the weddings together. So this is kind of cool because I'm going to be able to see a wedding not only on a Royal Caribbean ship, but also on their private island, Coco Cay. I think this is amazing. So – Pretty darn cool. And since we're going to Coco Cay, you can probably figure out that we're doing an Eastern Caribbean sailing. Now, for the I think for a wedding standpoint, when you're when you're talking about having a wedding at scene two in this case, you know, part of that is like, okay, what am I gonna wear? Because it's kind of this weird thing. It's a destination wedding, and it's gonna be very hot. We're going in July. Luckily, the dress code, if you will, the suggested dress code for all this has been pretty light in the sense that I think we're gonna get away with like for men. Uh, golf shirts and shorts. It's not, you know, these are essentially we're going under the beach wedding rules. So it's not like I'm going to have to worry about necessarily wearing a suit out in the sand being really hot. But it'll be something cool, something different I've never done before. And I think this will be kind of, you know, from, from a Royal Caribbean fan standpoint, I'm really looking forward to being able to see how weddings really work in person on ship and on shore. And then also as a friend, obviously, I'm very happy for my friends here. And uh, I can't wait to kind of see it. I think it's going to be a very special occasion. In both times. So it's pretty cool. So let's talk about the stateroom I booked. Actually, when I first started booking this cruise, I booked one stateroom. We, I think I mentioned this on the podcast, in the time that 
I booked the stateroom, and the time we're about to go on this cruise, we've actually had another child. And my daughter is going to be – she's about six months old right now, so she's just over the, the border. She just made it in terms of being able to be old enough to go because for cruises that come out of North America or at least out of the United States, the requirement is that children have to be at least six months old. So this worked out well for us. It's going to be – she'll just be old enough to be on there. And the thing was when we were, we had one stateroom for a while. I actually booked the stateroom back on – when there, if you remember last year, there was that sale that Royal Caribbean had a lot of people booked stuff on. It was the kids sale free, which essentially was third and fourth passengers sale free, right? It was first initially it was for kids, and they expanded it basically. Anybody want to stick in your third and fourth person in your stateroom, they sale for free. It was a great deal. We got a great. It was a steal of a room. We got an inside stateroom. We figured, you know what? We're gonna save money on this cruise. We're all gonna be in one room. It'll be fine. So fast forward, I went on Quantum of the Seas, as you all remember, and this happened earlier this year. And I went on Quantum Seas on an inside stateroom as well. And I'm on there. I get on this ship, and I'm enjoying the stateroom. And I was talking to my wife. I don't know, maybe on the first or second or night. It doesn't matter when. But I was talking to her, and I, and I was saying, you know, over the phone. She said, when I, was, I was cruising by myself. And I said to her, you know, when we go on Freedom, I really can't imagine having four people in a room like this. Like, it's going to be a really tight fit. And we thought about it more. And, and the more we thought about it, the more we got concerned. Because we were starting to worry, you know, theoretically, yes, four people can fit in the room. But, you know, we've got a, a we've got an infant, so that means we're going to have a crib. That's going to take up a lot of space. You know, it's just, is it going to be, is it going to be almost, not, I don't say not worth it, but is it going to, is it going to ruin the experience to some extent that, you know, when we go back to the room, it's like, oh boy, you know, between the kids and, and us and, you know, needing space and bathroom and all that stuff, we were starting to get a little worried. So we started looking at staterooms and we weren't quite sure what was going to happen. We looked at prices and, you know, we looked at it and it just, it was kind of expensive. What ended up happening, I think, essentially was we waited, waited, waited until we got to essentially past the final payment day and then prices came down a little bit. And this is a tip that we've shared before on the podcast. If you're if you're tracking a price of a cruise and you want to book something, maybe like either you want to go on the cruise yourself or you want to add another stateroom or a friend is looking to join you, whatever the case may be, a lot of times the prices drop after final payment day because a lot of people that had a stateroom just booked with a deposit lose, you know, they decide they don't want to go on the cruise for whatever reason, and they drop out. It almost always happens. And when you have additional inventory added, then usually the prices come down a little bit. We ended up, we're able to get actually a decent deal. I think we booked under one of the BOGO deals, the buy one, get one, 50% off deal. It just worked out that it wasn't all that much. It was, it wasn't a steal, but it was a tolerable amount. And we ended up getting a connecting stateroom. That was the big deal because obviously I've got a four-year-old and a six-month-old. So we can't be in staterooms that are separated from each other. In fact, my wife didn't even want a stateroom, two staterooms that were just uh, a, not adjoining, just next to each other, whatever the, whatever the word for that is. She didn't want two that were together that didn't have a connecting door between them. So in this case, now we were able to get one, two, in fact, that had a connecting door. It was probably in the, if, 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 there's, a, if there's three levels of deals, there's the super deal, there's the okay deal, and there's the I didn't get a deal <laughs> deal. We got the okay deal. It wasn't Terrible, but you know, we figure it's going to be worth it. We're going to get on board. We're going to have the extra space, the extra bathroom. And I think we're going to realize, you know what? It was worth paying, in our case, a couple thousand dollars more to be able to have that. So, and trust me, we looked at every option. We looked at getting a larger stateroom. Look, we even looked <laughs> looked at getting a suite thing. Well, you know, maybe the extra space. This was the best option in terms of finances and just being from an economical standpoint, two interior staterooms were the best. And this is interesting because this will be. I mean, I stayed in an interior stateroom on Quantum of the Seas, but I don't think my, my four-year-old daughter's ever stayed in an inside stateroom. And my wife enjoys balconies, but 
you know what? I think this will this will work out well, and I'm not too worried about it. So we got that, and there we are, two staterooms in the end. Now, I mentioned earlier the ship's refurbishment. Freedom of the Seas underwent a refurbishment not too long ago, and the refurbishment really added some nice little touches to the ship. And I think this is really important because I love when, what Royal Caribbean does with these refurbishments. Now, this is not on level of, say, as you, you know, navigator to the seas. Remember, Freedom of the Seas had its refurbishment many years ago, I think back in 2011, and then the rest of the fleet got added. So this is actually its second time around in terms of refurbishments. This one wasn't nearly as grand in scope. This was more of a, I think this was more of a subtle one in, in the sense that, you know, they were doing things like, you know, fixing things and repainting and, uh, updating the staterooms, which doesn't get necessarily all the attention in the world, but it is nice to have. But there are some nice touches that they did add to this. So there are a couple things we're going to go through. First of all, refurbished staterooms, always welcome. It's nice to be able to get you know new bedding, new carpeting. That's always welcome. Now, they added two new restaurants. One is Giovanni's Table. It's the Italian restaurant. I've eaten at many times on other ships. And you know I, we don't have any reservations for Giovanni's per se right now. But I think we'll I think we'll probably go there for lunch one day. I mean, I enjoy Giovanni's Table. I, it's not going to make my it's not my top three Royal Caribbean restaurants. I think some of you can probably think in their head, okay, what's Matt's top three? <laughs> we're, one of them is coming up in just a second. We're going to talk about, but I think we don't have any plans. But I think I'll probably end up there just so I can, you know, hey, why not do a review for the blog, right? Now the other restaurant they did add, and this one we are so excited about because when we booked this cruise, they Royal Caribbean had not announced any of these changes yet. We knew there were going to be new restaurants because when Royal Caribbean refurbishes restaurants, or refurbishes a ship, rather, and a ship has the restaurant of Portofino, which is the Italian restaurant that Freedom Seas used to have, Portofino always is removed. It's always replaced with something else. And now we, that was probably going to be Giovanni's table, which it is. But we were hopeful they were going to add my, I'm going to say my absolute favorite Royal Caribbean restaurant these days, Sabor Modern Mexican. I had a phenomenal time at eating there on Navigator this is and pretty much my wife and I have been having dreams about going back to Sabor ever since and we're thinking, well, it's only gonna be on Navigator. But since then, Royal Caribbean has expanded Sabor to other ships as well. I mean the Oasis, Allure the Seas has it, and now Freedom the Seas got Sabor. So when we heard that, that was like the biggest news of the day <laughs> in our room. We were we were totally psyched for this. So we already booked a reservation. Do I think it'll be more? Probably, because let me tell you, I we've done an episode about Sabor, so you can listen to that one if you want to if you want to hear me wax poetically about Sabor Modern Mexican. But essentially, what I really love about Sabor is the food, is <laughs> the amazing, the handcrafted guacamole on its own by far is worth the price of admission. If I eat nothing else but guacamole, I'm fine. I really don't care. That that to me is worth the cost here. And in addition to that, they also have some really great handcrafted margaritas. They have, I mean, everything on the menu is just amazing. We, when we ate there on Navigator, I'm telling you, it's one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. And so we are so excited to go back to Sabor and be able to try this out because I'm just, I think it's going to be phenomenal. So cannot wait. And the other really cool thing they've, that's been added to Freedom of the Seas is our bar. And on, once again, going back to Navigator of the Seas, we loved our bar. It was our go-to pre-dinner restaurant. It was the place we would go to to have a drink before dinner and just hang out. It was a cool thing. Obviously, we would drop off the kids in, or in our case, it was back then it was one kid in Adventure Ocean, go down to our bar, enjoy a drink. What I love about our bar is not, first of all, the decor is very, uh, very, I don't want to say fancy. It's very exotic. They have very odd kind of uh, decor there. And it's it's cool. It adds to the, the feel and it makes it very unique. And on top of it, the bartenders here are really, creative and amazing frankly they are able to they have there's obviously a set menu but many times i would tell them you know what just make me something i don't know i don't know what i'm in the mood for surprise me 
And these guys are really, really, and gals, we're really good at it. So I'm very excited to be able to go back to our bar and check that out as well because we had such a phenomenal time there last time. It's I think it's, once again, going to be our go-to place in the evening, maybe before dinner or after dinner or both, whatever the case may be. Now, we are sailing, as I mentioned, with an infant, six-month-old. Now, this is not our first time doing this. Uh, when we went on, actually, I think it was Freedom of the Seas. The first time we went on Freedom of the Seas was the moment my first daughter was around this age. So we have some experience with it. Now, first off the bat, I am breaking one of my own rules about cruising. I know this is shocking, so I can never I can never lecture other people about this because I'm about to do it myself. We are cruising with a birth certificate instead of a passport, something I always tell you all you shouldn't do. However, in my defense, before I am labeled a heretic and, and tarred and feathered, <laughs> I will tell you, we tried. We went to the post office about end of May, maybe early June. We went there, and we, we did the application. We did everything. We sent it out. The lady was like, oh, when are you sailing? You know, make a small talk with the lady at the, at the post office. Oh, we're going, you know, late July. Oh, yeah, you'll get in plenty of time. Guess what? We haven't gotten it yet. So I don't know what the deal is. My wife sent an email the other week. I haven't heard back. So in the end, my wife went to City Hall, got a copy of the birth certificate. We're going to go that route. It is what it is. We tried. Let's put it that way. But in terms of sailing with an infant, and this could be an episode in and of itself, and we kind of talked about this in other episodes as well. I think our, our basic strategy is, A, we're definitely taking advantage of the nursery that's on board. We loved using the nursery. When we had my first daughter went there, she had a phenomenal time. I'm hoping that my other daughter is also going to enjoy it because it's just it's just it. First of all, it takes a little bit of gives us a break and she'll be able to interact with other kids. There's it's, they do a great job. I really enjoyed it. From what I understand, what I remember, we have to go there and kind of, you can reserve a certain amount of hours per cruise. So like I'm making up numbers. I don't remember the exact number, but let's say you can reserve 16 hours. Again, I'm just making up numbers. You can reserve up to 16 hours of your cruise. You can do a, in addition to that, you just can't reserve it because obviously people with reservations get priority, but they do allow just people just to walk up. When we were on Freedom last time using the nursery, I remember we were able to essentially just walk up all the time. Most people weren't using it, but that particular cruise was in February. Actually, we took one in February. Yeah, we took one in February, one in September, but I don't think there were a lot of kids on board is my point. This one, this is going in July. This is everybody's summer vacation. So I'm I'm thinking there might be some more kids on board than we perhaps had in the past on, on Freedom of the Seas. I'm hopeful that we'll be able to take advantage of it. I'm not ruling out perhaps doing an interim babysitting night. That's something we've done on Jewel this season, had a good time. But it's hard to beat the price and what you get with the uh, with the nursery there. So hopefully that's going to work out well again. And, and part of it is our plans, what we can do. But one thing you have to understand as a parent is sometimes – your kids are your kids, and they're not going to cooperate. And sometimes some kids are not great with other people, and they have a bad time, and maybe they won't work out. But again, we've had great experience, so I'm not too worried about that. My older daughter, who is four, will be going to uh, the Adventure Ocean, and she had a great time when we were on our last cruise back on Navigator of the Seas. She had a great time, enjoyed it so much. So we're really hopeful she's going to have a great time again. I think every parent knows this is also is that sometimes some kid they get there, and for whatever reason, they don't have a, you know, who knows why they they're kids, but my daughter talks has talked up going to Adventure Ocean so much. I really don't think that's going to be an issue. And last time, she loved it so much she never wanted to leave. And there was one time I think I've shared the story. We were we went we left her on the ship to go to Cozumel, went in port, walked around, did all our stuff, and we came back and we were kind of rushing back because it was like, well, she's been here a couple hours, you know. Oh gosh, what if she's having a terrible time? We get back there and she looked at us when we 
went to pick her up and she started crying. She didn't want to leave. So he said, fine, stay there. We, my wife and I went to the pool and hung out there for a little bit longer. So I'm hopeful that she's going to have a great time there as well. And what I love, the other great thing about Freedom of the Seas is the stuff for kids to do on board is, I mean, there's the whole Adventure Ocean thing, but there's a lot more. There's the DreamWorks experience. Very cool stuff there. Being able to see the movies, the meet the characters, the character breakfast. I mean, there's a lot that's going on on this ship just for kids alone. And of course, the pool. Man, we're going to spend a lot of time at the pool, I think, because first of all, it's going to be July. It's going to be very hot in the Caribbean. But, you know, we can basically what I'm envisioning is my older daughter running around the H2O zone, which is the kids splash and play area. And right next to it is the uh, baby splash zone, which is a pool just for little children who are still wearing diapers. So I think we can make that work and that'll be a fun little experience for us. We've been actually I sent my older daughter into swim lessons the last, let's say, six weeks. And she's not fully trained, but she's pretty darn good. And I'm hoping that'll uh, translate well on this and, you know, she'll be able to enjoy a little bit more than maybe than we have been in the past. Now, let's talk about the plans I have for each port. Coco K. Well, for one thing, we're going <laughs> to we're going to see a wedding there. So it's going to be kind of weird because everyone's going to be getting off the ship in their, you know, sandals and bathing suits. We're going to be getting off in slightly nicer clothing to go get married or have someone else get married. I'm not getting married again, but they're uh, <laughs> we're going to go see the wedding. From what I understand, the wedding will be happening right early in the morning, so that way we can come back to the ship and change. Although, a lot of people are recommending that we actually bring a change of clothes with us, because again, Coco K has tenders, so the time it would take to you know, do the wedding, go take a tender back, change, and then come back again, that's a lot of time invested, right? So maybe the better thing to do is bring a change of clothes with us, then go into the restroom somewhere, change, and then go straight to the beach, and that probably is going to be the simpler thing to do. So, Coco K, our plans are pretty simple. We're just going to hang out at the beach. No big plans. I thought about a cabinet and cabinets are these basically little, they're, they're, they're nicer than a tent, but they're not as nice as a cabana. on the kind of in the middle ground there. I'm not exactly sure yet. Uh, uh, there'll be a game time decision, essentially what we're going to do in that regard. But I'm, I think we're perfectly happy just finding a nice shady spot by the beach, you know, going into the water, relaxing and just enjoying the beach. That's what I think Coco K is all about. That's what I love about Coco K. And that's why, you know, it, we, we enjoy going back there. For our first stop, we're going to be going to St. Thomas. And I've talked about this on the blog at royalcaribbeanblog.com. I'll link actually to our show notes to the article I wrote about what we were deciding to do in St. Thomas. And I've been really perplexed as what to do in St. Thomas because we've been there a number of times. And it's a very nice island. It's very beautiful. But, you know, I never really – we always end up at the same place. We always go to Megan's Bay, which is a beautiful beach, and hang out there. Nothing wrong with that, of course. I mean, it's a beautiful beach. But, you know – me being me, I like to try change things up a little bit and, you know, expand my horizon, so to speak. And I've been looking around and, you know, we did a group tour last time. I didn't love it. I thought the problem, my problem with the group tour was I felt like the pace was way too slow. It We went to Mountaintop, which is a peak, at the, as the name implies, on the top of the mountain that you can see a great view. And I was like, this is wonderful. We had a great view. We took photos. I felt like it, we needed like five to 10 minutes there. We ended up spending like, 45 minutes there because there's a, you know, there's a store up there and people are buying pina coladas. And it's like, okay, I get it, but come on, let's, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it, to me, that was enough. But anyway, the pace was too slow. So I want to do something on my own. One thing that actually Royal, Royal Caribbean offers, and I think we're going to take advantage of this is the, there's a sky ride, which essentially is a little gondola, a tram ride that brings you up a different mountain to the top and gives you a nice view of the other side. Mountaintop, basically you're looking out towards Tortola and Megan's Bay this one with the Skyride, you look back out towards Charlotte Amalieu and, and back where the cruise ships are. Different view, It's but this is on our own. We can go up there, we can do whatever we need to do, and 
just enjoy the view on our own and not have to worry too much about you know other people's schedules. We can come back down as soon as we want, and then we'll probably end up at a beach because again, it's gonna be July. It's gonna be the Caribbean. We're gonna be we're gonna be overheated. So I was looking at a couple different beaches. I haven't quite decided which one I want to do yet. And again, we're kind of leaving this up in the open a little bit because we want to see what the weather's gonna be like. For all we know, it could be rainy and terrible day, a nasty day. And, you know, why commit ourselves to something that we would necessarily possibly not enjoy because of the weather. But I think it's going to be basically when you're going to the Caribbean this time of year, it's going to be I guarantee you this is what the weather is going to be like. It's going to be a beautiful morning. It's going to be hot. The afternoon, you're going to have passing showers. And then, you know, it clears up after that. Just that's how that's what life is like in the tropics. Right. So we'll see. I think we're going to end up at a beach. The question is, which beach will we go back to Megan's Bay or will we try a new beach? Ah, the mysteries. And then we're also going to end up at St. Martin, another island I've been to many times, but I love St. Martin. I think there's a way more to do in St. Martin than there is in St. Thomas. And St. Martin, we're actually going to be using my, uh, I, like, I think he's my good friend, uh, Leo. He's a taxi driver that we discovered a couple of trips back, and he was phenomenal. I mean, he's just one of the best drivers we've ever had, and we've been lucky enough to keep coming back to St. Martin. And luckily, he's been around to help us out there. What I like about Leo is very knowledgeable with the island. Very nice, extremely nice. I, there's, we were at St. Martin, I think the last two times ago, whatever. We went to St. Martin one time. We're at the beach and we're walking from the car to the beach. And Leah's being very nice and helping with our stuff. And we're walking towards the beach. And I think my daughter made a beeline for the water. Now, I'm like, okay, whatever. She's not going to go in the water. He drops, Leo drops everything and chases after her like his own daughter about to go into the ocean and potentially, you know, drown or something like that, God forbid. And, you know, this is just an example of how nice he hangs out with his. And the best part, again, is that he doesn't charge a whole lot. It's a very, actually very inexpensive. We always pay him way more. Because I think one time we did it, and you know, I was like, how much do I owe you? He's like, he was like, for a whole day, I think he wanted to charge us like $100. Like, dude, I'm not paying you $100. I got to give you a little more than that. You've been, you know, such a great guy. So, Wonderful man. And of course, if you want, I can uh, email me Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Happy to give you his phone number to set something up. He's 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 a phenomenal guy. So we're going to use him again. This time, I'd like to be able to go. We went the first time we were in St. Martin. We went to this beach called La Galleon Beach, which is a beach that is perfect for kids who can't swim, especially young children. It's a basically a little inlet on the Dutch side that is blocked by rocks out, you know, way out there. So and and the other thing is the sand is really soft and. The entry, there's no drop off. It just you as an adult, you could probably walk out. I'm gonna say 100 feet and into the water, and you'll probably maybe the water will be up to your knees or something or your waist at the most. I mean, it's very shallow. It's perfect. It's basically it's like a pool, but in the ocean. The thing was, last time we tried to go there, it was closed because it seems like the beach is only open during, not during. It's only open during on season, and we're going during July, which is off season. It's kind of interesting. The summer is off-season. When do most people go to the Caribbean? Their on-season is really in the winter, so between like the months of November to March, give or take. But I'll tell Leo, hey, can we at least you know go see if it is open? And if it is, that'd be great. And if not, we'll find another beach probably over by, I think, on the French that we went to, Orient Beach last time, which was just amazingly beautiful. And we had a great time. We brought my, my daughter was a little younger then. She had a phenomenal time, so I'm not too worried about that. And I would love to. The only thing I could say is I would love to have a little more local food. Maybe this time we'll go to Marigo. I don't think we've actually been to Marigo. We've been on the French side and hung out there, but inevitably, when you've got kids, you just end up staying at the beach. It's easier. We order food from you know the place that's right there. Usually, there's a little restaurant next to the beach. You know, it's just simpler with kids rather than trying to get them back in the car and travel them all around. So, those are our plans. It's pretty. I wouldn't say basic, but it's. 
I think it, it's pretty self-explanatory. And, I, you know, we're pretty excited about this cruise. I mean, this is going to be a really fun family vacation. Obviously, our first family vacation with our our youngest daughter. So this will be kind of cool. And, you know, we're going back on a wonderful ship. Cannot wait. And, of course, if you want to follow along with my adventure here on Royal, on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas, I'll be live blogging it over on royalcaribbeanblog.com. And if you've never seen my, my live blogs before, essentially what we do is every day, usually in the evening, I'll make a post with photos and a description of what I did that day. And you should be able to post in the comments below, ask me questions, share your thoughts, any suggestions you have. I love it. I want this to be very much a back-and-forth conversation. I really enjoy doing it, and I'm hoping you'll be able to read it as well. And, of course, when I get back, we'll do another follow-up podcast all about my Freedom of the Seas cruise. So looking forward to it, and hopefully we'll have a great time there. All right, time to answer your listener emails. I love this because each and every week, it's our time to talk Royal Caribbean together. Our first email this week is from Beth Wygant. You may remember we had Beth on the podcast to talk about our Serenade of the Seas cruise. And she writes, you asked me about the R-Bar on Serenade of the Seas. Our family had recently done the transatlantic from Boston and Northern Europe. Found it. And yes, we regularly enjoy before dinner drinks from it. Lovely bar, just didn't know its name. Keep cruising, Beth. There you go, Beth. So R-Bar, another vote for why I really enjoy it. You just heard me talk about it a little bit earlier in this episode. Next, we have an email from Dirk, a.k.a. Robrick on the message boards. Where it's, hi, Matt. I just listened to your last podcast about Beth's transatlantic cruise on Serenade of the Seas in Europe. I couldn't agree more that Serenade is a wonderful ship a bit under the radar. We did a transatlantic on Serenade last year from New Orleans to Barcelona via St. Martin and Tenerife. It was absolutely amazing. We had a balcony and enjoyed it almost every day. The more southern route guaranteed us sunshine every day. We had no rainy days at all and... Plenty of time to relax. Four sea days to St. Martin and six sea days to Tenerife. At first, I feared that so many sea days would be boring, but that was absolutely not the case. The cruise compass was packed with tons of activities, but the best thing was to meet new friends all over the world and to share my experience. My recommendations for such a cruise. Number one, plan to stay one or two nights in the port before the cruise starts, so one can enjoy a new city and coming late by missing flights is not an issue. Number two, be aware of the time difference between U.S. and Europe. Almost every day, you're losing one hour by cruising eastwards. The advantage is you have almost no jet lag when you arrive in Europe. Number three, don't comply of gaining at least a couple of pounds after a 16-night cruise. Number four, try out some things that you normally would not do. For us, it was the dancing lessons in the centrum. Number five, don't try the drink of the day too often. Otherwise, you end up with 16 new glasses. (laughs) If that's the worst problem you have there, Dirk, I think it's a good problem to have. Number six, be prepared for three formal nights. And number seven, last but not least, enjoy your cruise. And Matt, if you're planning to make more podcasts about Europe, it would be an honor for me to help you and share some of my European perspective. Keep on cruising. Thanks. Wonderful, Dirk. Well, of course, as you all know, and this goes for you, Dirk, as well, if you've got an idea for a podcast, whether you're going on a cruise or maybe you just really know something about a particular port or whatever the case may be, let's talk it together. So send me an email, Dirk, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. We can discuss some details there. Thank you. Next email is from Christy Pudic. Hey, Christy. So I'm behind on some of my listening to your podcast. I consider myself a listener from the beginning, but there are some episodes I missed to listen to later. I'm currently working away and listening to episode three on the Oasis of the Seas. This is a great episode. I'm glad I saved it to listen to at a later time. I really want one of those love suites. Is that wrong? <laughs> no, it's not. Those love suites look amazing. I would love to. I think I've looked at the Lost Suites on a couple different ships, like Quantum also has them, and I was looking, I was like, oh, can we do that? And then my wife reminded me of something about trying to send our kids to college someday. I don't know what that's about. Anyway, 
Christy continues, I missed taking a cruise on one of the mega ships before my son was born. Now I really want to wait until he's old enough for us to really enjoy it. I want to see the shows, and now we're missing them due to bedtimes. I have a schedule with all my trips, and right now I have it slated for 2020 when my son is six and a half. But after this episode, I'm going to have to see about moving it forward a bit. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. I look forward to it each week. Christy, I thought you brought up a couple different things that I wanted to that are worth mentioning, especially. First of all, thank you for the email. Uh, second of all, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with bringing young children. Obviously, as you just heard, I'm bringing a, what, six-month-old and a four-year-old on a cruise. I think cruising for young children is definitely a worthwhile experience. I mean, positive experiences where you're traveling are always good, right? And it's not like you're not going to take a vacation at all between now and when your son is, what, six and a half? Why not go on a cruise? I mean, it's a wonderful experience. They can meet other kids. They go to different places around the world. I think there's a huge amount of value in it. And just because they're young and maybe they don't remember every single iota that you do on the cruise, that's okay. They still have positive experience. My daughter will not stop talking about, she calls it camp, Adventure Ocean. I mean, she just loves the thing. She has, you know, all these toys from her experiences on there. She has, she has memories. Does she remember the, you know, the fourth night on the cruise back when we went on this one? No, of course not. But it's she it's in, first of all it's ingraining her to be a Royal Caribbean fan from a very early age, which is always nice. But more importantly, I mean she just really has a great time on there. And I think that Royal Caribbean does a wonderful job with kids and with especially those big ships now with what they offer for children, it's amazing. And I think that even if you go Christy with your child when your son is only three, four, whatever, it's a great age. I think Especially, you know, I'm cruising with infants. I think it's fun to do that. I can understand why some people might be hesitant about it. But certainly once they're potty trained, they go to Adventure Ocean. It's a whole different ballgame. And I would definitely recommend you check that out because I think it's it's a it's a very worthwhile experience. So but I appreciate the feedback, Christy. And I'm glad that you're catching up on some of the older episodes, even back to episode three. Hey, they're all still good, right? They also have some good information in there. Thank you very much. Next, we have an email from Jason who writes, hi, Matt. I was listening to the podcast episode 88 and wanted to comment on a question that was asked by a listener. There was a question about whether there were any nude beaches to go to while visiting Jamaica. You talked a bit about the topless beaches in Jamaica and also mentioned that there's a topless beach in St. Martin, but none that you knew of that were nude beaches. My wife and I recently went on an Eastern Caribbean cruise on the Lure of the Seas in Nassau, St. Thomas, and St. Martin. In St. Martin, we booked a beach excursion to Orient Beach, a very beautiful beach on the French side of the island. We arrived, and to our surprise, the beach was not only topless, but also there was a section to the far right of the beach that is totally nude or clothing optional. The, that part of the beach is home to a resort called Club Orient, which is clothing optional resort. This part of the beach is also open to the public. My wife and I did stroll the length of the beach, and though we did not take our clothes off completely, we still felt welcomed and not out of place. We took in the sights and had a great experience we'll always remember. Maybe next time we'll be brave enough to go to completely nude. I also want to say thanks for your weekly podcast, Matt. My wife and I look forward to it each week, and it really does give great information about cruising Royal Caribbean. Can't wait to listen to episode 100. <laughs> That's out there, Jason. Thank you very much. And I, you know what? I appreciate the information because, you know, someone did ask about a, a nude beach, and there you go. There are some out there. Yes, I did mention I was going to Orient Beach. I'm probably not going to that part of Orient Beach, but you have to. Orient Beach is a long stretch of beach. It's not like Megan's Bay, which is literally a beach, although it is a big beach in and of itself. Orient Beach is like, I'm trying to think, if you've ever been to like Seven Mile uh, Beach on Grand Cayman, it's kind of like that. It's just this long stretch and different resorts set up different things on different parts. In general, in St. Martin, yes, there's a lot of toplessness that goes on there. I think it's not, I wouldn't say the majority of people that are there are topless and certainly nude is probably in the vast minority, but it exists out there. But, you know, when in Rome, not that I'm participating in it, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. What can I do about it? And 
you know, doesn't it doesn't hinder our beach experience, but it's good to know where they are and obviously not go to particular club orient necessarily with my kids. So very good. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate the, the information there. Very good stuff. And I think our last email today is me from Stephanie Ozine, who writes, love the episode about cruising Alaska. Alaska on Regains was my first cruise my family ever took and hope to do it again someday. I have a few tips that might be useful to other people, especially if they're traveling with kids. Mine were five, seven and 11 on the trip. In Ketchikan, the Lumberjack Show is a must for families. My kids loved it, and it was pretty fun for adults, too, if a little bit touristy. On our group of had seven people, including Grandma and Grandpa, so in Juneau, we rented a minivan for the day. Juneau Car Rental Company is located within walking distance from the cruise terminal. For around $100, all seven of us went to the Mendenhall Glacier, a salmon hatchery, and we stopped at a couple minor sites to see wildlife on the side of the road, too. A similar excursion through the cruise line was about $60 per person. Finally, some info about the pool. Because the weather in Alaska is cold, the indoor pool in the solarium had a few hours each day where kids were allowed to swim. It was really wonderful to be able to swim every day with with the kids without freezing. This made up for the fact the kids' club was a bust between the smaller ship and the fact that a few, that few families choose to cruise Alaska. There just weren't enough kids on the ship to make the kids' club interesting for them. Thanks again for the podcast. Keep them coming. Great tips. I love this. I love that we get to share tips and information about ports and just cruising in general. And, and again, I, I hope that we can at least work a couple tips in here every episode. So if you've got your tips about cruising and, you know, b- whether it be about a port, whether it be about something on a ship, something you enjoyed, whatever the case may be, I want to hear about it. So you can email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And of course, if you've got questions, if you want to talk about Royal Caribbean with me, if you've got a question, if you want to just share, maybe you read something on royalcaribbeanblog.com and it got you thinking, Let's talk about it as well. And most importantly, you think I'm wrong. I love to hear about that too. It's 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 all in good fun. I like to talk about Royal Caribbean. I think that's what you know brings us all here together. So my email again is Matt M A T T at Royal Caribbean Blog.com. Thank you all so much for checking us out. Thank you for the emails. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>